uh, I, I went to take a shower today, and, and I, uh, I opened up um, my laptop, and uh, Bill Winston was on my feed, and so I clicked on old Bill Winston and, and let him play in the background. I don't know what he was talking about. I know he's talking about miracles. That I, I know for sure. But he must have really been under it today because, man, the anointing of God started stirring in me. You know, you can't hear much when you're in the shower anyhow. But, man, something was stirring. I could hear him droning in the background, and uh, the Lord began to talk to me. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to share uh, with you what the Lord has put on my heart today, even though it doesn't look anything like, well, you know, it's not, that's not anything new. Uh, it doesn't look anything like I had anticipated, uh, but uh, praise the Lord. Amen. That's how the Lord works with me. Praise God. So let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you today for the privilege that we have to be able to come into your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts, uh, to enter your courts with praise, Lord. We, we thank you, God, that we're able to come to receive of your word and to receive of your wisdom and your instruction. Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We say, have your way in us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open to receive. Quicken our minds, Lord. Uh, may we receive uh, understanding today uh, beyond what we've known uh, in the past. And Father, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for all that happens in this place. We're asking this in the name of Jesus and everybody that believed it said amen. 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 All right, open your Bibles with me <clears throat> to the book of Isaiah chapter 55. Thank you, Debbie. Last time we got together, uh, just before Dr. Bally came, we were talking about Revelation. You remember? We talked about Revelation, and I don't, I, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, uh, I don't remember all that we uh, talked about um, because, again, uh, I got up here, and uh, the Lord was uh, definitely leading us and, and kind of taking us in ways that I didn't anticipate going. But the title of the message was a revelation, God's thoughts uh, toward us revealed. Amen. In other words, revelation, or uh, when we receive revelation, we're really receiving an, uh, a, uh, a, a manifestation of what God is thinking toward us. And, uh, you know, uh, I was, we were talking on the uh, web, what was that, the, what did we call that, the podcast. We were talking on the podcast on Thursday. We were talking about receiving words from the Lord and, and uh uh, you know, some people believe that when they receive a word of prophecy, when, when, when they receive a personal prophecy or, or God gives them a word, Dr. Bally brought us as a church a word. And so many times when we hear a word like that, it's in our minds, well, praise God, God has great plans for us. And, but, you know, just because God has a plan and has given us a revelation of what his plan is for us doesn't mean that that plan is going to come to pass. Now, I know that some of you are like, wait a minute. Doesn't, if God has a plan, doesn't it mean that he's going to bring it to pass? Well, he desires to bring it to pass. But one of the things that we have to understand is that we have to work together with God to ensure that that, you know, if you're not obedient to the Lord and you, you don't connect with, uh, for example, Abraham. You know, Abraham, when, when God spoke to Abraham, gave Abraham a word, he said, you're going to have to leave this land. You're going to have to leave your kin. You're going to have to leave your dad. You have to leave your mama. You're, and you're going to have to do these certain things. And I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make you father of many nations. I'm going to bless you and this and that and the other. So uh, the, word, the word that God gave to Abraham was conditional. The condition was you have to be obedient to me. You have to do what I command you to do. 
Amen. Deuteronomy 8, 1, all the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do, that you may live, multiply, go in and possess the land that the Lord swear unto your fathers. So uh, we can't just sit around and twiddle our thumbs and think just because we got some kind of revelation or some kind of word from the Lord that uh, these things are automatically going to come to pass. I think that's one of the things that uh, we've got to learn <clears throat> as uh, God's people in these last days. There are going to be people especially people that stand in a prophetic office, you know, New Testament prophetic office, that are going to declare things kind of like they did with the election uh, a couple years ago. You know, they, they prophesied that Trump was going to have a second term, and they prophesied, uh, you know, things of this nature. And a lot of people were disappointed in the body of Christ because they were like, well, what happened? These people are false prophets. Number one, you know, here's the thing. that You know, about the New Testament... Um, uh, defines false prophets as those that are trying to get us away from the Lord. And, and I, I, you know, I think some people, you know, they got away from God. They started looking toward uh, Donald Trump and whatnot. But anyway, <clears throat> um, some people say, well, were they right or were they wrong? You know, were, were those prophecies right or did, uh, did, the, did the prophecy fail? Well, here's the thing, you know, we hear, we hear a word from the Lord, but sometimes, you know, what, what we're hearing is definitely... Prophecy is not a prediction of the future. Prophecy is God's will revealed to mankind. It's God's will revealed to mankind. God doesn't predict the future. God is not a psychic. Uh, prophets are not psychics where we make predictions. These are my predictions for you. If you hear somebody say that, they're in the wrong spirit. It's not because prophecy is not a prediction. Prophecy is God revealing his will for mankind. Well, guess what? Not everybody does the will of God. I mean, just look at Nineveh. I mean, this, this turned out positive for them. The word of the Lord for them was destruction. What did they end up getting? Salvation. Redemption. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. They, they mourned in sackcloth and ashes, and God changed his mind. And the prophet was angry because he's like, Lord, you're making me look bad. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. When we, when we get up here and we declare what the will of the Lord is, whether it be through personal prophecy or whether it be through prophecy in general, you know, we, we have to understand that we as God's people, for those things to come to pass in the way God intends for them to come to pass, revival, you know, there's no revival coming if you don't revive. If you don't work with the Holy Ghost, now it's God's plan for there to, to for there to be a great outpouring of His Spirit in these last days. But if we don't labor together with God and work with heaven to see these things come to pass, that's why it's important for us to have revelation. Amen. Amen. That's why it's important for us to function over there and understand what be the mind of God and the and the and the plan of God and the purpose of God, so that we can work together with God to see the, see these things through. So anyway, uh, where did I tell you to go, Isaiah? Did I tell you anything? Uh, yeah, Isaiah 55. Let's, let's get into this message here. So that's enough of, of, of what I talked about last week. It says this. It says, seek, uh, verse 6, uh, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, <clears throat> that's important. <clears throat> Say this with me. Say, let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Amen. Because God doesn't want us relying upon. God doesn't, God doesn't want, you know, that, that, that word, even though we've been redeemed. You know, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're not claiming to be wicked because we're not wicked no more. We're the righteous, we're in right standing with God. 
Amen. Not based on our performance, but based on the word of God. We're in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we're the righteousness of God in him. Amen. I'm in right standing with God today. Not, not because I did everything right this morning. But because his word says I'm righteous. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin hath le had left its crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So, so uh, but we were, we were wicked at one time. Now, when we were born again, our spirit was changed. The Bible says, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. So in, in our inner man, we're totally different than we were. But you know what? In your mind, uh, your mind is still needing to be renewed. We still have the same thinking that we had uh, before we received Christ uh, as our Savior. So our minds need to be renewed. We need to change our thinking. So look what it says. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So as, as, as believers, we've been transformed on the inside. And we've got to be careful uh, that, we don't, uh, be, that we don't continue to rely upon our way of doing things. And that we don't continue to rely upon our thinking and our thought process to get us through in, in, the, in, uh, this, uh, in this part of our life. Because you know what? We're, we're no longer who we were. We no longer rely upon what we used to rely upon. Uh, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. We're, we're not supposed to rely upon the wisdom of men. That, that includes the wisdom that you brought out of your old life into your new life. Amen. You're not to rely upon the thoughts. That you, you know, there are some things that, that uh, got you through issues in, in your life before you came to Christ. But, and, and, and maybe they brought you through. And maybe it, it helped you. And it, but you know what? God, God isn't trying to help you through your own natural wisdom. God has a plan for you. Turn to someone and say, God has a plan for you. Amen. And so he, were, he wants us to rely upon his wisdom. Uh, Proverbs, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Why well, I me? Mean, I should have gone to the verse prior to that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Amen. Praise God. So it says... Uh, uh, let, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. So we're talking about super, what we're talking about is supernatural increase or God's blessing uh, in our finance and why many people don't get over there. And I know this doesn't sound like a teaching on, you know, it, it really doesn't. But why God's people don't get over there and, and walk in the fullness of God's blessing, not, not really just financially, although we're emphasizing the area of finance, but in every area of their life. In every area of their life. And it's not, you know, it's not because we're not givers. It's not because we're not tithers and offering givers. It has to do with the other things that are in our life. The other philosophies that we carry about God and about, about, his, about his word and about his will and about his way. Amen. Look what it says next. It says, and let him return unto the Lord. So when you rely upon wicked, your, the way you thought in the past. The way that you uh, um, 
your ways in the past. When you rely upon those things, then what this scripture implies is that you're away from the Lord. You're, you're not really doing things his way. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, uh, for he will abundantly pardon. Next verse. For my thoughts, and y'all remember this when we read this one last week, or week before last. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. But you know what this scripture really is implying when you look at the language in which it was written? It's implying this. God intended for your thoughts to be his thoughts. And for your ways to be his way. God crea- when God created man, God created man in his image and in his likeness. Amen. The Bi- the, in fact, the Bible, the Bible tells us that it was God's idea, it was God's intention for us to be a representation, an identical image of who he was. But then we know that man, you know, man uh, um, fell. <laughs> we won't go into that today. <laughs> jacked it up and <laughs> but it was always God's it was always God's plan for us to see that that that's why church listen it's extremely important for you to uh to to lose Whatever identity that you have that doesn't relate to him, you've got to get rid of that identity. You've got to identify with him. You've got to identify with the person uh, that he created you to be. When God created man, you know what? It it wasn't our idea to be made in the image of God. That wasn't our idea. You know, some people, they get upset when they hear people talk like this. I, I, I tell people this. God didn't create you to be low. He created you to be high. Amen. He didn't create you to be under. He created you to be over. Amen. That's why the word says, have dominion over. He gave us dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over, over. When you read that scripture about what God told us we would be over, he called us, he called us over five times. There's never a place in Scripture where God said he created man to be under. That's why every time we find ourselves under, we want to get out from under and get back over. Because God didn't, God didn't create you to be under. You weren't designed to be under. But the minute you get outside of his presence, when God created us, he didn't create us to function outside of his presence. He created us to function in his presence. When we, when we try to function outside of the presence of God, we malfunction. We don't work right. God made us to work in his presence. But you know what many people, they identify with their sin. They identify with the shortcomings of their life. They identify with the person that they were before Jesus came into their hearts. That's why when you come to church, that's why, that's why when some people come to church, they're like, oh, I just feel like such a hypocrite. Why? Well, because when I get here, I'm all worshipy and praisey and, and, and I'm all happy and I'm all joyful and I'm all acting like a Christian. But when I get out there, you know, it's bad. Well, that's because when you get out there, you get out of his presence and you start to malfunction. That's not you. See, you've got, you've got, to, start, you've got to start identifying with the right person. The you that's out, when you get out, when you get out, when you get out of the presence of God and you get caught up in the spirit of the world or whatever, whatever it is that happens to some of us when we get out outside of the four walls of the church. And, I, and my prayer is, is that I can help you to live for Jesus every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that you continually live in his presence. But some people, 
they just don't do it. In fact, most people in the body of Christ, that's not where they live. They don't live in the presence of God continually. They have a, they have a church life and they have a real life. They've got a life that they live in church, and then they've got a life that they live outside of church. I, I didn't, that was a foreign concept to me until I heard someone say it one time, and I said, explain that to me. Because when I got born again, I started living for Jesus every day. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wanted his will, his, his, I wanted his kingdom to become and his will to be done in my life every day, all the time, every day. I didn't want to do anything that was outside of his plan, that was outside of his will, that it was outside of his desire for my life. Now, that's not a brag. It's just a fact. Maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You're the only one that shouted there. Amen. <laughs> Uh, what happens is we start to believe the lie of the enemy. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to get up here and say that God's pleased if you, uh, <coughs> God's pleased if you live in sin or if you live in, in, in darkness as, as Christians. You know, as, as believers, we ought to cut way back on the sin. It ought to be our desire to live holy before the Lord. We ought to, we ought to want to live for God all the time. And not, and not, not out of uh, uh, obligation, or but because we have developed a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And we want to continue to develop that relationship with Him. And you know what? I could cheat on my wife, but I don't cheat on my wife. I could run around on her with other women, but I don't do that. You know why? Because I value the relationship that we have, the covenant that we have. I have a personal, intimate relationship with my wife. And although I could do all these things, you know what? I don't go around saying, well, you know, it sure does suck you know, being married. I sure wish I could run around. You know, look at all these women I could have. That's not how I live my life. I don't have animosity toward my wife because she requires me to be faithful to her. Now, you know, it depends on why you got married. I mean, if you got married, amen. I mean, if she was my sugar mama, I might feel that way. If I only married her because she had money, she could take care of me, then I might have those feelings of, man, I'm stuck. See, some of you got to identify why you feel like you're stuck in church, doing the stuff of God. It has, to, it has to do with, see, it has to do with, you. number one, your personal intimate relationship with Jesus. Number two, when you start, when you start that uh, fellowship with God, what do you identify? Are you identifying with your, you know, that sinful nature? Are you identifying with who he, are you identifying with who he made you when you, when you received him in your heart? You became a new creature. Amen. Glory to God. You know what? You're not that old miserable thing. When you're out there, amen. When you're mad, when someone cuts you off and you, you know, you give them a gesture. That's, that's, that's not really you. 
Amen. You know who you are? You're the, you're the one that when, amen, that when the Spirit of God falls, your hands are up in the air, you're down on your knees, tears streaming down your face, there's a dance in your step, glory to God, there's a shout on your lips, there's a song in your heart, hallelujah, amen, amen, praise the Lord, thank God. So he wants, your, he wants your ways to be his ways. And he wants your thoughts to be his thoughts. Listen, it's not wrong for you to, uh, want, to, to, want, to want to walk in the ways of God and to emulate. You know, the Bible says this we're in, in the book of Ephesians. We're to be imitators of God as dear children. We're to want to emulate him. We're to want to be like him. Amen. All right. We'll, can you put that verse up? And I'm going to read some more of it here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, but they can be. 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ. Next verse. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, says, says the Lord, and my thoughts in your thoughts. So what is this telling us? What it's telling us is if you rely upon your thoughts, then you're going to think low. If you rely upon your ways, then you're going to live low. Listen, you, you can't live high on your thoughts. You might live higher than your neighbor. Come on. See, some of the richest people in this country aren't born-again believers. You say, well, they're living awfully high. Yeah, but they ain't living high enough. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, you know what this verse of Scripture tells us? That our, the, our ways and our thoughts are going to determine whether we live high or whether we live low. Next verse. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So, <laughs> if we're going to walk in the ways of God, then we're going to have to live higher than our thoughts. If we're going to live in the blessing of God in the way that he intends for us to, then we're going to have to live outside of our ways and, and in his ways. Well, you know, that can't be done outside of the Spirit, outside of the influence of the Holy Spirit, outside of, of receiving uh, some sort of, of uh, revelation. So uh, let, me write, let me read you something I wrote down here because I was, I was writing frantically uh, in the back there so I uh, wouldn't forget these things. Uh, there's a difference between revelation and mental assent. We have to be careful uh, not to get caught in the trap of having reached a place of mental assent and not push it through to revelation. So most believers, they'll hear the word of God, they'll take it into their mind, and of course it's extremely important because the Bible tells us that... Uh, People perish, God's people perish for a lack of, God's people perish for a lack of, God's people perish for a lack of, 
Amen. So knowledge is extremely important. You've got to have knowledge. So uh, let, let me say this. The prerequisite to revelation is that you have to receive knowledge. In other words, you have to go through the place of, 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 of mental ascent to get to revelation. But most people that are in the body of Christ today get stuck in the place of having reached a place of... I mean, we know lots of stuff. We know lots of stuff. We know a lot about our position in Christ. We know where we're at positionally. Positionally, we won, we've, won, we've not only won the battle, we've won the war. Positionally, we can do all things through Christ. Positionally, every need is supplied according to his riches and glory. Positionally, we're blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, it, positionally, we're, we're in this high and lofty place. Conditionally. <laughs> and so <laughs> our condition doesn't, doesn't always reflect our position. And our condition will never reflect our position as long as all we have is, a, is an understanding in our head. As long as we've only reached a place of mental ascent and we haven't gotten a revelation uh, from the Spirit and by the Spirit of who we really are in Christ to be able to live that out. Then we'll, then we'll, always, just, we'll always just live in a place where our, uh, where our mind will allow us to. We'll live low. So let me, let me say this. Uh, I'll read this to you. We start out with information. Uh, I already uh, uh, quoted the scripture in Hosea chapter uh, 4 verse 6. But let me, let me read it to you. Hosea 4 6. I'm going to read at least a part of it. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But look what the next part of the verse says. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. Thou hast rejected knowledge. You know, we're living in a time where people have information at their fingertips. I mean, there's more information available to the church today than has ever been. Well, not even just to the church, but to mankind. There's more information available to us now than there ever has been before. You think that having that, that, all that information at our fingertips would, uh, would uh, make us better. <laughs> but, you know, information... Oh. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, so we, we start out with information. Don't, don't, reject, don't reject knowledge from God. Don't reject understanding that comes from the word of God. And I want, I want to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this here in a minute. You got to be careful uh, where you get your information and the quality of that information. And I'll explain that here in a minute. Okay. Uh, and then after we receive information, we have to trust the Holy Spirit for illumination of that information. We have to trust it. And that's where many people, that's where many people uh, fail. Because many people don't know how in, in our generation, and Dr. Bally, he travels all over the place. He, I don't know whether he'd agree with me or not. But I'm, I'm under the impression after all these years that I traveled as an evangelist that 98% of the people in the body of Christ 98% of people don't understand walking after the Spirit, living in the Spirit, re relying upon the Spirit. Now, those, those who have been able to navigate the water, the, one of the reasons why I appreciate, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but since you're here, uh, one of the things I appreciate about this brother is his longevity. 
You don't stay in the ministry as long as this guy without relying on the Spirit. We we have both, if we sat down and talked about it, we we have both probably seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. And we've we've seen some of them pop up and then disappear and then pop up again. And then disappear and then pop up again. See, when they disappeared, they they went on a bender. When they disappeared, they found a new wife. And got them a new girlfriend. When they reappeared, they just hoped nobody would ask any questions. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me today? <clears throat> but there are, very, there are very few people that have been in ministry for a long period of time. And remained in ministry faithful to God. Dedicated to the Lord. Amen. You know, you don't, you, don't always, you don't always know who, who, who has a, a proven track record and who doesn't. You can't get on Facebook and figure out. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how many likes and how many followers you have on Facebook or on YouTube or on Instagram. That is not a reflection of whether or not you're following the leading of the Spirit of God. The, the fact that you are popular... The Kardashians are the perfect example. They have been they have been on television for I, I can't. I, someone said you know thirty seasons or something like that. Praise God, I've never watched one show. These people are popular and they're famous for doing absolutely positively nothing. They add nothing to the world. They add nothing to the church. Some unpopular because they got a big booty. And now, here's the deal. Sometimes I wish I had a big booty. <laughs> just to keep my britches up. Just to keep my britches up. Um. <laughs> Was it here that I said I was thinking about getting a Brazilian butt lift just to keep my (laughs) Shawnee too? But anyhow, Ted discouraged it. He's like, no, no. (laughs) But think about it. I mean, uh, many people are popular on so even even ministers and ministries, uh, people that are uh, a part of the church today. Uh, they've learned the same uh, marketing techniques and, and uh, they've learned how to master algorithms and how to get their videos to the top of the list and how to become the first, uh, the first thing that comes up when you search Google with certain words. And you know what? We're, we're, we're playing some of those marketing games because we're trying to get a message out. But you know what? Just because of someone's popularity, you know what? We, we, we think people are great leaders because they have big churches. You can't determine whether someone's a great leader by how many people follow them. A great leader isn't determined by how many people follow them. A great leader is determined of where those people end up after following that person. Where did, where did you end up? Did you end up doing the Great Commission? Did you end up preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead? Did you end up baptizing people, delivering people? Was the kingdom added to? See, these are the things that we've got to consider when gathering information. 
When we're gathering information, where's, amen. Oh, see, I see, I got the cart in front of the horse anyhow. I'm, I'm going to help you with that. Anyway, so once, once you get that information, th then there has to be the illumination of the Spirit. You have to rely upon the Spirit to illuminate. There are so few people that are allowing the Spirit of God. Most, most of the pastors I know, do you know how they get their yearly, their yearly preaching material? They go from conference to conference. They, they go hear Dr. Bally. They take notes and then they regurgitate what he said. Oh, yeah. I was on Facebook last year or a year before, one, one, one time, and I was preaching a series of messages, and Sheree was, uh, Sheree was alive, we were, we were live feeding them on, uh, on Facebook, and the very week after I would preach a message, there was a pastor, a, a pastor that's within the greater Oklahoma City area and the suburbs of Oklahoma City, that um, he would, I, I started seeing that he would post quotes from his sermon. His quotes were verbatim every word that I had said the week before. He didn't even change it. He must have written it down, or, and you know. But it was exactly, it was exactly the same. Some people, you can tell what they're going to preach just by looking at the library of books that they have on their shelf. You know, God never. You know, God, God doesn't mind us gleaning information and getting, you know, getting uh, some information from other people. But you know what He wants to do? He wants to illuminate some things to us. He wants to begin to bring light to things that He has spoken to us. Some light that may be different than the light that somebody else got. Maybe a different perspective than someone else. And and it's important if you're part of Winners Church. It's important what perspective you're seeing things from. If you're part of this church, it's important that you see things from a certain perspective. You know what? I don't think it's extremely important for you to see things from Perry Stone's perspective. I think it's good for you to hear what he says, but there are some things that are more important for you to understand than what Perry Stone is preaching. Praise God. Say this with me. Say, information. Number two, say illumination. Amen. So we've got to, we've got to have, boy, I'm already getting behind here. I haven't even really started. Is this opening by yet? We got trust the spirit for illumination. So illumination, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You know, there's some things that we don't, it's like this morning, Bill Winston was talking, and I, th I thank God for whatever Bill Winston was saying, because whatever he was saying was bringing illumination to something that was in my spirit, and it had nothing to do with the words that were coming out of his mouth. Flesh and blood were not revealing things to me this morning. It was my Father which was in heaven, amen, and it came as a, it came as a result of maybe something that was going on in the background, but... See, you've got to believe that God wants to, God wants to talk to you. He wants to illuminate. Are you hearing me today? I know some of you get antsy and you get impatient and you, and you start to chomp at the bit to try to get something from the Lord. But you've got to exercise patience. You've got to be willing to wait. If you will allow, if you will allow a substitute for illumination to come into your life, then you'll never receive illumination from the Spirit. If you'll accept a substitute, then the real will never come. 
If you're, did you hear what I said? If you're willing to accept a substitute, then the real will never come. So you've got to be determined whether illumination takes a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, five years, ten years, a hundred years. Then I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to develop an intimate personal relationship. You say, what am I going to do in the meantime, Pastor? You're going to lift up your hands and you're going to praise God. You're going to dance with all your might before the Lord. Every opportunity that you get, amen. You're going to do what a Christian does. I don't know if I can handle this much longer. You may have a lot longer to go. Amen. <laughs> Once our information is illuminated, it becomes revelation. And that revelation brings about transformation. <laughs> Romans 12, 2 says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Here's what, here's what transformation does. It causes you to be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me ask you a question. Oh, Say this when they say prove what is good, what is the acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. Let me ask you this. Is healing the perfect will of God? Is deliverance the perfect will of God? Yes. Is revival the perfect will of God? Yes. See, when you get over there in Revelation and it brings about transformation, that transformation is what prepares the environment of your life for manifestation. See, the, the promise of God for your life is not too hard for God to accomplish. We, we think that, the, that we are not seeing the will of God accomplished in our life because it's a hard thing. Listen, there is nothing too hard for God. Y'all remember that, right? I mean, I know we say it all the time. We're willing to say it all the time until, until we get behind on our light bill. Until we have any, uh, bless God, he's a miracle worker. Then why don't you believe him for your marriage? Instead of posting pictures of what you paid for gas on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Hello? Are we really going to do that? Are we really going to get over there in the spirit of our own mind? Do you know what that does? Do you know how much, you know how much uh, uh, room we give to the devil and to the flesh when we go to agreeing with natural? Amen. I know I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And bless God, I don't care if gas gets to be $100 a gallon. If nobody else is at that gas station, I'm going to be at that gas station and I'm going to top it off. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you know why? Because my God shall supply all of it. Listen, this ain't just a bumper sticker. This ain't just something we're slapping on a t-shirt. This is the reality of the life of the believer. 
Come on, somebody. Are you going to live? Boy, I'm preaching. Glory. You have to understand that outside of the environment that God has for us as believers, that every other environment is hostile against what God wants to do in your life. The only environment that's conducive for the will of God to be done in your life is in His presence. It's in that revelatory place. And right now, more than ever before, we've got to guard our minds and guard our eyes and guard our hearts. We've got to believe God for the supernatural. Amen. I'm not, I'm not angry. I just don't smile a lot when I'm preaching. <laughs> it's, it's God's spirit that opens up. Ooh. It's God's spirit that opens up the realm of the supernatural to the believer. That's, that's why when I talk about God's blessing financially, I call it supernaturally increase. I call it supernaturally increase. It's not money we earn. It's not money that we're... Amen. Anyone can send out in ministry, anyone can send out a crisis letter. When I was a teenager, a man came to me. He said, I want to help you build your ministry. I was like, really? He said, yes. I said, I would love to do that. He said, how would you like to preach in the largest auditoriums in this country? I said, I'd love it. He said, what if I told you I could open up every big church to you? Sounds good to me. And then the next words that came out of his mouth was this. He says, what we'll do is we will take control of the direction of your ministry. We will start to, <laughs> what he said, Rachel. We will make you a crisis letter to begin to raise funds. You know what a crisis letter is? We need your help. Without your help, we can't do this. Listen, I've, I've got news for you, church. I love you. I thank God for you. God sent you here to help us. But if it wasn't you, God would send somebody else to help us. Do you know why? Because we're not, we're not, amen, I bought it, I can break it. Praise God. That's why when I talk about this, some people are like, here he goes with supernaturally increase. Yeah, go, go ahead, mock me. Go ahead, mock me. The truth is, we've been relying upon the supernatural increase of God from the beginning of our ministry. And I'm going to tell you right now, if it hadn't, amen. I was sitting, I was sitting across the table the other night from um, Gabriel's uh, girlfriend's uh, parents. Uh, she, she's going to maybe travel with me. And in an internship this summer because she wants to do ministry. And so while I was sitting across the table from them, I started talking to them and I realized how that some of the things that I was saying may not result in them wanting her to come with me. But you know, I had to say it. They said, where do you stand on COVID? I said, the church shouldn't have shut down, Period. I said, anyone that said that, that God told them to shut their church down, they weren't hearing from God. 
Now some of you say, how can you be so confident? Because if God had told them to shut down the church, then he would have been doing something that contradicted his word. That's like saying God told you to divorce your spouse. I mean, if you believe God told some of these yahoos to close down their church, then you might believe that, uh, that the son of Sam, that God spoke through a dog to the son of Sam to have him commit murder. Maybe you're not a crime buff like I am. Anyway. <laughs> son of Sam believed that God was talking to him through a dog to go and to murder people. If you believe that, I've got some land in Florida to sell you with a giant mouse living on it. <laughs> Ted will come visit you every year. <laughs> Super, supernatural increase. I'm talking to my, my these people, and I'm, I tell them this. I tell them, well... I said, I've been in the ministry since I was 16. I went in the ministry a year after I got born again. I said, uh, I wasn't ready. But it didn't matter to God. God didn't care whether I was ready or not. He said, go. Now, you know, the religious, traditional, Americanized church preaches, you know, disciples were in training for three years under the ministry of Jesus. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because Jesus didn't wait three years before he laid hands on them and said, go. We get this idea they were sitting at desks with their pencils. That's how you do it. No, they came and they watched and then he said, go. And when they came back, they said, it works. They didn't know come here from Sikkim. They still thought Jesus was establishing an earthly kingdom. They still thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Holy Roman Empire. And they did, they did the work that Jesus did. On his commissioning, on his, on his sending them, on his authority. You know what? God doesn't send us because we're smart. He doesn't send us because we're ready. He sends us because he wants us to be obedient to him. And so I, I went. Well, I, I need to hurry because I'm not even where I need to be. I, I told him. I said, I went. I said, it's at 16. I went full time in the I got saved at 15, went in the ministry at 16. I said, I quit high school to go into the ministry. You know, that, that's not, that, I, when I say that, some people think I say it like I, I'm proud of it. No, it's just the facts. And then I tried to go to Bible school, and he said, no. So I got my degree in neology. I got my degree in the upstairs bedroom of my grandmother's low-income apartment. I cut my teeth on the believer's authority by Kenneth Hagin and understanding the anointing. You know, they're looking at me like, and people wonder, they say, well, how'd you make it? By faith. Okay. I was in my room and I got some information. You know where the information come from? It came from books. I read about, I read about understanding the anointing and something, something leapt in my spirit. 
Then one day I walked in my room and guess what? The information was illuminated. You know how it was illuminated? I walked into my room when I closed the door. My ceiling turned into a giant television screen and I saw a vision. And I saw me preaching the gospel to thousands upon thousands of people. And I heard the voice of God in that vision. And God said, I've called you to demonstrate my power to your generation. Go and take the fire of revival across this nation. I'm raising you up to be an evangelist in the last days. That illumination brought revelation. I called my pastor right after I had that vision. Uh, he wasn't there, but his, you know, he was there. I said, I said, Pastor, I said, what is an evangelist? You know what his response was? He said, it is something that you are not and you will never be. I said, well, why do you say that? He said, number one, now you have to understand, I got born again in Mennonite church. And I was wild for them Mennonites. This is only, this only three weeks after I got born again. Are you all hearing me? This only three weeks after I got born again. But, now somebody say, well, you just, it was something special for you. You're special! You, you, see, you've got, to, you've got to quit. You've got to quit thinking that God only does these things for certain people or for people that are special people. people quit look. You know what? Those, those damnable words, well, you're different, should never escape your lips. That comes out of the realm of your mind, out of, a, out of wicked thinking, out of wrong thinking. Like we ought to feel sorry for you or something. I don't feel sorry for you. How can I feel sorry for you when you serve the same God I serve? When you've got the same resources I have. When, he's, when his word is the same to you as it is to me. It's the same. I said, why would you say that, Pastor? Why do you say I would? He said, because, he said, you're too given to emotion. He said, uh, he said you're, not, you're not smart. He said, maybe when you get older, maybe if you've been to school a while, maybe when you get in your 50s, you might be a preacher. Guess what? I became a preacher exactly uh, nine months from that point in time. Preached my first revival at J.C. Hibbard's church. Full Gospel Assembly on 5th, Southeast 55th Street. Okay. Healed the sick, cast out devils. I, I told them to bring dead, but they, they didn't, I guess they couldn't find any. <laughs> not, not that, I, not listen, not that we had ever raised anyone from the dead, but the Bible, ta- the Bible said, Jesus said, He said, freely you've received. Heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. I was ready to try. Amen. I can't believe how radical this sounds nowadays. When I was sitting across the table from those people, I thought, I sound like a lunatic. I sound like a lunatic. 
I'm talking to them about this stuff, and they have got to be questioning whether or not I'm sane or not, you know? And here, I'm trying to persuade them to let their daughter go with me so she can learn how to do ministry. So then I, try, I tried to fix it, but it didn't help. Because it just got more radical. I said, reason why we want to take her is to get her out of Sunday, you know, going to Sunday church. I said, going to church on Sundays. <laughs> listen, to what I, listen to what I'm about to tell you. You can come to this church on Sundays. You can come every Sunday of the month. You can come every Wednesday, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You have to live immersed in his presence every day. You cannot receive this unless you're immersed, unless you are completely filled with the Holy Ghost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, looking for him to do what he said he would do in his word. Amen. You say, how can we, Pastor, how can we do that? It's possible. I'm not going to get into that, but anyway. Glory to God. He told me I'd, I wouldn't be in the ministry. I went in the ministry nine months later. About five or six years later, he left the ministry. Took a factory job. And got a doctorate in theology. Wonderful man. When they come to town, I bring, listen. When my pastors come to town, I bring them to this church. I make them get up here and preach to y'all. I tell them, lay hands on them. And they lay hands on y'all. I go visit them. I love them. I have no animosity toward them. I'm kind of glad my pastor said I would never preach. Because the way I'm built on the inside of me, I thought, you know what? I'll show you. Bless God. In fact, that may have been what I told him on the phone that day. Well, we'll see. We want to bet a million dollars on it, you know. <clears throat> Praise God. So coming to a place of mental ascent is only a part of the journey. But it's not the destination. Once you get an understanding, once you hear the word of God. And see, that's where we're at as Winner's Church. Even, even when Doc, Dr. Bally came in here and he brought a great word, it brought us to our feet. But what next? What next? Because he'll, if I let him get him to testify, he'll testify of all the places that he's been when he came back a year later and they were still in the same place where he left them when he came a year earlier. And they stood up just like you stood up and they shouted just like you shouted and they danced just like you danced and they ran just like you ran. See, you gotta, you gotta run when you gotta run when someone ain't telling you. Something that makes you want to run. When you're going through hell in the natural. And the devil's trying to persuade you. That somehow or another you've fallen out of the graces of God. That's when you've got to find that well that says. Ooh. See, see that, that's when I want to see y'all up here. Glory. We'll see you up here with a puke bucket next to you. I'm healed. Glory to God. Yeah. 
So obtaining knowledge is extremely important. How and where we get the knowledge plays a role in its effectiveness in our lives. The quality of that knowledge is also important. So this is extremely important. You're going to have to really listen to this. And I, I promise I'm going to, I'm not going to promise anything. So here we go. <laughs> I'm not promising you a thing right now. <laughs> so how and where we get the knowledge plays a role in its effectiveness. It's extremely important that you listen to this. So how and where? Remember when we had a uh, revival uh, last month, or my bad, before last, and we had those pastors that came through, wonderful people. My, they're my friends. Anointed of God. But there's such, a, there's such a, 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 a great contrast and difference between their ministries and, and, what, we, what, and what we have going on here at Winter Church. Now, we need what they brought. And what they brought was, it was awesome. We stood here, we shouted for them. We ran for them. It was awesome. It's out of this world. But you could tell there was something different there. Different, different than, they brought a different perspective. A necessary perspective, but different. So, I... There are certain things that have been that have been taught traditionally in the church that I don't salute to. For example, that church and church attendance is an option and not really that important to the Christian walk, which which is something that has been exacerbated by the pandemic. And the church's willingness to go online like they did. And a willingness in the hearts of God's people to be okay with not attending church. In fact, for many of them, it's better. Because then they don't have to talk to anybody. Which is really, I mean, if you're backwards. If you're, first of all, broken people come to church. If you're broken, you don't like being around people anyhow. Unless you're trying to manipulate them. And so then get all those people in church. So, uh, pause the pause the recording. Because I, I don't I mean, this is between us. Did you pause that? Glory to God. When we go after Him, Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, God don't provide for you because you worked an extra job or you got three eight more contracts or because you you got seven more clients. That's not, no, listen, some of you are going to get seven more clients because you, you did the will of the Lord. Yeah, but now I got to take care of them clients. No, you better take care of God first. Guess what? You, you take care of God first, those seven clients will wait when they wouldn't have waited in the past. They'll be like, I don't want nobody else. I want you, Eric. Well, I can't, I can't, you know, can you come Wednesday? I can't come Wednesday because I'm at church on Wednesday, but I will come Thursday. And you, somebody's going to take that business. No, they'll be like, man, I admire you. Can I come with you to church? You know, you just say, you don't know. 
I've had Ted tell me, I'm going to be there late on Sunday. Someone wants me to deliver a dryer. Ted, you don't deliver on Sunday. You don't deliver church time on Sunday. Okay, y'all, don't, don't look at me all crazy. Look, some of y'all look like you're in despair. Y'all just got like Droop. Y'all got like Droopy the dog. Because I yanked away your, see, because we had an excuse, didn't we? We had an excuse, but there's no excuse. When we take care, well, what about my family? The only time I have with my family is on Sunday. I'm going to tell you something straight up. You ain't going to have a family if you don't get to church. You ain't going to have a family. Well, I'm trying to take care of my kids. How, how long do you think your kids are going to serve God when they get old enough, when you didn't bring them to the house of God? When you didn't have fellowship with God, have a relationship. Amen. And I'm not being religious here. I'm just, I'm just telling you that's why you say, well, I don't believe that. I don't care whether you believe it or not. I got two kids that love Jesus. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was a devil worshiper. I quit school. I failed twice the 11th grade. I have a daughter. Never did a, never smoked pot, never took a pill. She loved God. She worshiped on the worship team. She came to church faithfully every Sunday. I didn't have to force her to come to church. She came to church. She sought after having a, a boyfriend, having a man in her life. And the prerequisite was that he be a believer. He's got to be a Christian. He's got to be a Christian who doesn't want to jump in the backseat of some car. And so she found a Christian guy who didn't even want to call her his girlfriend until I harassed him in the foyer over on Western. He said, I want to take your daughter to the prom. I said, you do? He said, yeah, but we're going as friends. I said, well, then she can't go. He said, why not? I said, well, do you like her? He says, yeah, I like her. I said, does she like you back? Yeah, she likes me back. I said, if you don't want to take my daughter on a date... I said, why would I, want, why would I want a spineless guy to take my daughter on a date? Doesn't have enough of a spine to say, I like this girl. I like your daughter. Pastor, can I take your daughter on a date? I said, so you know what? You go back over to that table and finish your chicken nuggets. And he turned around and he looked at my daughter, Michael. And Michael looked at him and she's like, get back there. He turned back around. He said, could I take your daughter on a date to the prom? I said, absolutely. <laughs> I said, there you That's what I'm talking about. I said, she ain't out of your league. She, li she likes you. I failed. I failed the ninth grade twice. My daughter was valedictorian with distinction. Honor roll. AP scholar. Gave, gave a speech at her graduation. Was beloved of her classmates. She never gave me not one problem, Carolyn. She only talked back to me real hard one time. And that was in defense of her brother. Because she thought that I was doing him wrong. And I know till to this day I wasn't doing him wrong. She was wrong, but... But I, I told her, when she, when she came again, I, I, I told her, she got out of the car, she said, Dad, you're wrong. You're not doing him right. You need to treat him better. She said, Dad, you're not even listening. You don't, you're not even taking care. I said, Mikey, I said, I am so proud of you right now. 
I said, I, I, I said, I just, you're wrong. I said, but I am so proud. I am so proud. I, I'm a proud daddy. I said, and you'll, you won't understand it till you have a baby. I said, and then we'll wait for that day. But, you know, just trust dad. I'm right on this. I said, but for that day, I said, you're good. You're good. I love it. Stand up, mama. I've got a son. He's in the 11th grade. He will graduate next year. Not interested in drugs, not interested in drinking, wasn't interested in girls until he found the right girl. And y'all saw her. She was here while Dr. Bally was here. And where was she? She's right up front here dancing before the Lord. He, he said, he's, when he goes to her church, he says, Dad, she just leaves me and goes and dances without me. I'm like, boy, you better learn how to dance. <laughs> I said, you don't want to be left sitting back there. You want to get up there just... I said, dude, just may tag it. Just do something. <laughs> Amen. I've got two wonderful kids. They didn't rebel. My son, he, my son doesn't talk. He don't, he don't talk noise to me. He don't talk bad to me. He doesn't talk down to me. He loves me. He, he took me to meet his girlfriend's parents. This boy calls me on the phone to ask me when I'm on the road, how you doing, Dad? 16, 17 years old. I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> no, I just wanted to see what you was doing. Have you ever heard this song? I'm going to send you a link to it. I want you to listen to it. I think it's good. When are you coming back home? What father has that kind of conversation with their 16, 17-year-old son? Do you know why? Because I went to church on birthdays. I went to church on special, on days, on days when my dad called and said, hey, we're having a barbecue. You know where we were? We weren't at the barbecue. We were at church. You know why? Because that was my time with God. And that was their time with God. I, I'm, I'm going to finish up. I can tell y'all are getting off the bus. Uh, we, we can't trust the wisdom. You know what you're going to be told at other churches? You're going to be told. You know what I was told at other churches? That my kids were, we were told. Number, number one, when we started dating, you know what they told us? That Annie was going to get knocked up before we got married. Showed how much faith they had in my Christianity and in hers. Guess what? She didn't get knocked up till 12 years later. I won't say knocked up. She didn't get pregnant until 12 years later. 32 years old. We'd already been married for 12 years, 12 years of marriage, and then she finally gets pregnant. Of course, those people were just like, I knew she was going to get pregnant. Yeah, but we're married, you idiot. <laughs> Had Gabe when we were 36. <laughs> we were crazy. <laughs> You know, people mar with marriage. You know, people tell, told me when I, about our marriage, y'all are going to end up in divorce. You don't, you don't cherish your wife. Yeah. 
Why not? Because you're gone all the time. You can't do that. You can't be gone all the time and have a good marriage. She's going to leave you. You're going to have kids that look like the mailman. No, I'm talking, this is church people. This is church people. You know what I would say to those people? I said, you know, with that going through your head, you're going to end up with kids that look like the mailman. I said, you know why? I said, my wife loves me. She don't need nothing. I said, maybe I'm more of a man than you are. I don't need to be there all the time. You know, one thing I never did, I never worried. I never worried about her, her eye straying. I never worried about her finding someone else. You know why? Because I loved her. I cherished her. I maintained fellowship with her. We had a personal, intimate relationship. We loved God above all things. We loved Him. Be careful where you get your knowledge. Because you will have people tell you, I, had, I was on my way to Australia. I was sitting next to a preacher. I didn't know he was a preacher. And, and uh, he went to talking, and we found out we were both in ministry. He said, so you're, what are you going to Australia for? I said, well, I'm going, we're going there to do ministry. He said, awesome. I said, yeah, man. I said, this is my third month on the road. He said, if you're in my church, he said, I'd never allow that to happen. I said, probably why I'm not in your church. He said, you know, you're, you're destroying your marriage. I said, how do you know? What do you know about my marriage? He said, you can't do that way. I said, no, you can't do that way. Because you're not equipped with what I'm equipped with. See, my, my, my Bible says, if I'll be faithful, amen. If I'll, here's what the here's Bible says. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Being made a curse for me. Amen. Do you know what a part of the curse is? Your wife running off with another man. That's a part of the curse. Well, I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. Amen. I, I decided a long time ago, I'm starting a new trend in the church among preachers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep with my own wife. Amen. Amen. As our custom was. <laughs> We're going to keep the custom. Amen. That's why she stays. So, some people are like, man, Annie looks good. I'm like, yeah, she does. She got to look good. She didn't even, she didn't even try today. On the day she don't try, she's hot. She's in her uh, uh, sweatpants yesterday. She's walking. I'm like, girl, make me get up off this chair. <laughs> All right, I'll quit. <laughs> Some people in, their, in the wisdom of their mind are like, oh, no, I'm going to. You know, we're going to have a family day, everything, and boy, you know, it's important. And we're No, what's important is that, you, is that you align yourself with the will of God and the word of God. 
And so you know what I'm going to tell y'all? When y'all come to me and say, man, you know, the Lord's told me to do this, and it means that I'm going to maybe spend some more time away from my husband. What do you think, Pastor? I'm going to spend some more time away from my wife. What do you think, Pastor? I'm going to be away from my family a little more. What do you think? Here's what I think. If, you're, if you'll obey God, if you'll put God first, if you'll get in the Spirit, if you'll get a revelation, if you'll walk according to that revelation, if you'll throw yourself in it. Now, if you're, if you're in a place of mental ascent, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to hurt you. If you stay in your mind, it's going to hurt you. Look what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They sold their land. They sold their stuff. Decided in their heads, well, I'm going to keep part of it. Well, if you're going to keep part of it, don't tell God you've given it all to him. It's that simple. It's that simple. Quit saying you're going to give it all to God when you hadn't given it all to him. Look what happened. They end up dead. Amen. You know, you don't have to be in agreement. You don't have to. Some people are like, well, don't we have to be in agreement? No. You do have to understand what to do in those times. Do you have a, if you're a married couple, do you have a plan? In, do you understand? Do you have a plan in place of what you're going to do? You know, I, we know what we're going to do when we agree. We're going to do it. What happens if I don't agree with her? What do we do then? You know what most people do? Nothing. So you know what the devil does? He just pushes that button all the time. What if she doesn't agree with me? What do we end up doing? Most, you know what most people end up doing? Well, I'm giving free marital advice here. Okay. Most people don't do anything. Well, we're not doing anything because the Bible says, what are you, you going to throw the Bible around now? <laughs> so you know what? We, we decided. We did, you know, we decided how it was going to go if one of us didn't agree with one another. Do you know what happens in our house when we don't come to an agreement? She's like, well, you the man, so. Make the decision. I know, I know some of you are like, over my dead body, hell will freeze over before. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through hell. What does the Bible say? The Bible says God is the head over Christ. Christ is the head over man. Man is the head over women. It's order. It's not that I'm better. It's just order. For us to have order in my house, that's the way we do. If we can't come to an agreement, she puts it on me. Well, I mean, you're the one. You're, it's the, it's, that's the order. Well, you know, there have been times I decided against what she wanted. She didn't put me through hell for eight months. She submitted. Maybe a couple days. <laughs> but I know, some, I, know some, I know some people, they're still griping about it ten years later. Remember that time? For real? That's why I don't trust you. 
you did something I didn't want you to do. There were times she looked at me, she said, is that what the Lord said? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then there were times I was certain, yeah, that's what the Lord said. You know, there were times I went and bought a car because I knew it was time, because the Lord said it in my heart. I told Annie, I said, I'm going to get a car. She said, again? You just bought one six months ago. I said, yeah, but it's time. She said, I don't believe that. I mean, she'd go through the whole deal. It's like, so what do you think I should do? Well, I don't think you should do it, but I know what you're going to do. What am I going to do? She said, you're going to get a car. I said, that's what I feel in my heart. The airplane. I don't know. We're not, I'm never going to know. You're not flying in no small airplane. I'm not about to die in no airplane. I said, I ain't dying in it either. My mother, my mother, I, I asked her to go in the airplane with me. She says, I don't want to die. I said, Mom, I've got a thousand hours. I'm not dead yet. I said, I'm not going to die either. So why, why would you say that? Then I tricked her. I got her in the airplane. Never again, but that one time was nice. But she told me, no airplane. Winner's church. We're starting a church, baby. We are not starting a church. We are. She said, you are. I'm not. I said, baby, we're going to be pastors. She said, no, you're going to be a pastor. I'm going to be at home. I said, baby, it's the Lord. You know good and well that God is not. She's like, if it's the Lord, he's going to have to talk to me through a burning bush. You know who that burning bush was? R.W. Shambach. We were in Shambach's office. She didn't even want to go. Shambach invited us to come sit with him and hang out with him for the day. And I was going to take, I was going to take uh, Michael, my daughter, Tyler, somebody, anybody but Annie, because Annie was, you know, I was like, I was excited like a 10-year-old girl going to see Justin Bieber. R.W. Shambach. Then last minute, she's like, well, I guess I'll go. I'm like, well, I don't want to take you. If you, I mean, you don't, you're not even excited. She's like, woohoo. <laughs> we got in the airplane, went to Tyler, Texas. We're looking around. She's like, how long are we going to be? I'm like, don't start with how long we're going to be here. We're going to be here as long as it takes. So we had a little bagel or something, and Shambach was running late. He overslept. We finally got to the office. We sat down with him, and as we're sitting there, I don't even remember what he. I had to. I got my. I got my phone like this, recording him incognito. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so great. I'm just sitting there in his office because I've always been a great uh, follower of Chamba, and had you know had never had an opportunity to sit. I've met him, but I'd never sat with him talk for a whole day, and. I look over at Annie, and she's just crying and boo-hoo, and I'm like, what's she crying about? She didn't even want to come. I'm like, I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. She's just crying, crying. And we get, we get out of there, and we're, we're going to the back, and they, he has these the chairs that he kept under his tent, all these wooden folding chairs. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hide one in her purse to get it out of the door. Like, can we get it in here? I'm trying to put it. 
I'm like, let's try to hide this thing. Get it out of here. And, and the guy caught me messing with it. I'm like, can I get one of these chairs? <laughs> He's like, for your love gift of, <laughs> I just wrote the check, man. I'm like, I'll take it. We left with the chair. We get in the airplane. She's still crying. I'm like, what are you crying for? I said, you didn't even want to go. I just could I mean, I wasn't ugly about it. I mean, I'm making it sound terrible, but it wasn't that way. I'm just like, why are you crying? She's like, she's like, um, all he talked about were the churches that he planted. She said, I had no idea that evangelists planted churches. She said, we're going to start a church, aren't we? I said, yes, we are. She said, we're going to start a church. And here we are. Be careful where you get your, stand up. Did, did, I, did I help you at all? Be careful where you get your information. Amen. You want to make sure that the information you're getting is quality. The quality of information that will help you. The, amen. Boy, you just now coming in. Oh, yeah. Quit going after money. Quit, quit going after happiness. I'm just not happy. I, I'm just not happy. The Bible doesn't tell us to go after happiness. It tells us to go after him. Believe me, you go after God, you'll be happy. No matter where you are. If you're not happy in your marriage, if you go after God, you'll be happy in your marriage. You go after God, you may not be happy in your church, but you go after God, all of a sudden you'll be happy in your church. You'll be happy with the fellowship that you have with other believers. Amen. Supernatural increase. See, that's how supernatural increase comes. When we get over there in that flow where we're doing the revelation, when we're doing what God reveals, amen. So, so if, I, if I come to y'all and I say, oh, for example, and I, I, I am finished. Take this back because I. Um, whew, I did write something down here. When we trust in the wisdom of men, we come, we become man dependent. When we trust the wisdom of God, we're dependent on Him and are subject to His blessing. Amen. When we go after money or after happiness, we have to, we have to, we can't do that. We have to go after God. If we go after anything else, we fall prey to the devil. And we, we don't want to fall prey to the enemy. So, so at one time, you know, we were looking for a building. He was like, Pastor, how are we going to do this? And we, we started a process. You know what? When we started the process, there was a certain way that we thought it was going to have to be done. It was the way that man said it had to be done. So you know what we had to do? We literally had to step away. We put a we put we put earnest money on that on that funeral home. On uh, remember the one we went and saw over there off of MacArthur and 39th, just down the road here. We put earnest money down on that thing. <clears throat> we were we were moving toward that, but then something happened. And Michael and Twyla and, the, and uh, uh, David and Hilda and those that are elders in this church, Ms. Rhonda, uh, everyone who's an elder will testify to this. There came a point in time where 
it was, it was they wanted more from us. They wanted this stuff from us. And I just said, that's it. We're not doing no more. We're stopping. They said, but pastor, we're so far into it. I'm like, nope, we're just going to stop. You know what, you know what I did? I said, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. We're not going to rely on the wisdom of men. We're going to rely on the power of God. Well, in the natural, look like we lost money. In the natural. In the natural, look like we gave away over 10 grand. In the natural. And I was trying to make sure that people that were involved didn't feel bad. It's like, y'all don't feel bad. Don't look at it like, well, I feel bad. Why are you feeling bad? You know what? That's, that's God's money. And, and if people don't want to give it back to us, they can choke on it. They might. You know, they still haven't sold that building. They still haven't sold it. They may never sell that building. Now, I'm not, that's not what I'm praying. But they may never sell that building. All they may ever get is that 10 grand they got from us. <laughs> they might be regretting it right now. We may get a check in the mail. You, you know what I'm saying? But we stepped back and we started to pray. Do you know when we stepped back and started to pray and we started to ask the Lord how to do things, God began to give people wisdom. He began to give the Salazars wisdom. He began to give us wisdom. And then, I mean, lickety split. Not one without work. But we're, we're in this building not because of the wisdom of men. I'm going to tell you right now. You can, you can ask all of us that went through the process and everyone that worked and was... And, uh, it wasn't by the wisdom of it. In the natural, uh, in the natural, this shouldn't re really happen like this. Look, I mean, look at the place. But we stepped out of the natural and into the supernatural. Amen. Amen. It happens all the time. When Eric, <laughs> we had revival. Drum cage fell over. That piece of plastic junk we had up here. Eric says, Pastor, I think we need to build a drum cage. We, we looked online. We were at his house. 20 grand they wanted. 22, right? 22 grand they wanted. And what kind of a line did they have? Waiting list. Eric's like, no, no. You know how hard it is to get a piece of glass this big? People waiting eight months for a piece of glass this big. We spoke on Sunday, Eric and I, about a drum cage after revival. The following Sunday, we have a drum cage. I mean, literally, the next Sunday, this is what we had. We came in here, and that was a wall, flat wall. We came in here the next Sunday, it was a drum cage. You know what it cost us? Three grand. The supernatural. Are y'all hearing me today? We've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again. Father, I thank you for your word. Uh, Boy, I'm long-winded today. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all's butts got to look like waffles today, for sure. <laughs> you, we'll be handing out syrup in the back. <laughs> if you put that on there, it'll soggy up just like a real. Anyway, Lord, we thank you. <laughs> thank you for your word. <laughs> Anna, things are about to turn around for you. Oh, I didn't expect to see anything. <laughs> I, hear, I hear the Lord saying, your mind is slowing down. 
I hear God saying that your mind is settling on his word. The, the Lord says this. The Lord says, Ooh, I'm keeping you. And he says, if you'll follow me, the Lord says, everything will turn out in your favor. Amen. The Lord says, you will be blessed. God says, not just, not just uh, in secret, but the Lord says, I'm bless you openly. Amen. So, so I hear the Lord saying, he's uh, the frondea. He says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. The Lord says, you'll know you're going my direction when you're at perfect peace, God says, in your mind and in your heart. The Lord says, anything that, that brings about turmoil and trouble, God says, you can identify that as being the enemy trying to lead you in a wrong direction. But God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. I'll keep you in perfect peace. If you'll set your mind and your heart upon me, and I'll lead you, and I'll guide you, I don't know what you're going through, but I know it's about to turn around in your favor, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, 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 let me tell you this, Annie. He's always been for you. He's always been for you. <laughs> there are other people that try to convince you that he's against you. And the way they try to convince you of that is because of your behavior. They say, well, the way you're behaving isn't uh, pleasing to the Lord and the Lord would say this to you he said how would they know he said how would they know he says they don't even know me or serve me the Lord says it's the devil who's the accuser of the brethren he says the enemy's packing up all of his accusations and he's He's departing the property. Amen. He's, he's leaving. He's being evicted. I loose you today in the name of Jesus. I thank God. Amen. I thank God for the victory. Come on, let's thank God for the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, did, did this help anybody here this morning? Wonderful. Well, Lord, we are, we are grateful. As we go out of this place today, go with us, Lord. May your presence continue to fall mightily. <laughs> may, your, may your presence continue to fall mightily upon each one as we go from this house. Let your glory, let your glory. Let your glory, Shadea and Amastara Fredea, be manifested in, through, and for each one. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Father. Everybody that believed it said amen. amen. Listen, if you have an offering today, make sure that you sow it. And uh, maybe you have a tithe. I'll put up the tithing information. I forgot to do that. Uh, tithing information.